Good morning. To get us launched into the new year, let me read a passage from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 25. It's not your typical New Year's Eve scripture, so listen carefully. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now you have been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For, and then he quotes from Isaiah, All the people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Amen. I once saw a book that used four different types of moving to symbolize the main lifestyle issues many people wrestle with. A slide, a treadmill, a roller coaster, and an escalator. See if any of these images describe your life. First is the slide, and it's not the fun kind of slide you might find on a playground. No, this is more like a landslide where you feel like you are going down, like you are tumbling out of control, and you think there's nothing that you can do about it. Maybe your job security is in jeopardy, you know, like the cartoon where the employees are talking in the lunchroom and one says to the other, the boss told me I was a cornerstone of the organization, and then I find out they're cutting corners. The slide is where things are not going in your direction and you feel you might be going downhill fast. Second is the treadmill. You're running as hard as you can just to stay in place. You're exhausted but can't quit for fear of, of losing ground. You, you worry that you'll not be able to continue but you never really seem to get anywhere. The treadmill is where you see the same problems repeated over and over again. But the scenery just doesn't change. The, the monotony is getting to you. But you don't have the energy to change anything about your situation because you constantly feel exhausted. Third is the roller coaster. This is uh, kind of a special and different breed. Uh, one minute you're high on life and work and God, and the next minute you plunge down low. One minute you're on the top of the world, and the next minute you feel you're like on skid row. Roller coaster people are often gamblers. They're, they're risk takers who, who love that adrenaline rush. But they also attract the ulcers and the migraines and the high blood pressure. They have great highs, but then also great lows. And life gets very unpredictable. Roller coaster people love the challenge, but the pain of failure can be almost too much to bear. So fourth, then, is the escalator, where you're moving up in the world. But despite achieving success, you're one of those people who, who just can't stop. You keep upping the ante in your life. You, you never feel like you can relax no matter how much you've already accomplished. You're, you're driven to achieve that next thing. But you can never really enjoy the moment. You can never enjoy the things that you have accomplished. And so you live life without much margin. Everything is right to the edge. Escalator people just keep climbing and climbing even as the pressure increases, the workload increases, the debt skyrockets. 
And as I read those descriptions, I thought, I don't like any one of these. I guess because at different times, I can see myself in all of them. There has to be another description, another alternative, a different way to image this this life that we're supposed to pursue. Well, today, Peter has a completely different way to describe how we should live as followers of Christ. In verse 15, he says we are to be strangers. The word, that word has been translated into English a wide variety of ways. Strangers, foreigners, resident aliens, sojourners, travelers, and a much older word that isn't used much anymore, pilgrims. I think Bible translators stop using the word pilgrim because it conjures up images of the Mayflower, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, women in white caps and men dressed all in black with, with shiny buckles on their shoes. But the image of Christians as pilgrims in this world has really deep spiritual roots, like John Bunyan's classic tale of the spiritual life called The Pilgrim's Progress. The idea of being a pilgrim means being a person who is on a special journey, someone who is on their way to a unique destination. And that has something to say about the way that you live. In fact, you could call 1 Peter kind of a pilgrim's guide for living on planet Earth. Peter says we're pilgrims. Not nomads, not tramps, and there's a difference. Uh, A nomad just wanders through life with nowhere to go, no particular destination, never thinks about tomorrow, just kind of day to day. A pilgrim, on the other hand, knows exactly who he or she is, and they know where they're going. And a pilgrim gives serious thought to the journey. They plan, they prepare, they, they know the route. They calculate the expenses and consider the dangers. Peter says that you and I, as followers of Jesus, are pilgrims because we know where we're going. We know the end of the story. We know we are headed to eternity with Christ himself. Now, to understand why Peter uses the image of a pilgrim or a sojourner, it helps to know a little bit about the people who were the original recipients of this letter. Peter tells us at the beginning of the letter that he's writing to the Christians who were scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. These people were scattered all across the ancient Roman Empire because they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. The rest of the world thought they were strange, thought they were weirdos, thought they were a threat because they no longer endorsed sort of the fleeting values of the Roman world. Because of following Jesus, they were at odds with the, with the way of the rest of the world was living. And so people literally wanted to stamp them out. This was serious persecution at this point. People were being killed. Christians were afraid. They needed encouragement. And so do we, don't we? And so Peter's words are God's way to encourage us on our journey too. Most of these early Christians made a big step out of the pagan world that they grew up in to embrace Jesus. They turned away from other religions, from worshiping pagan gods and from sexual and life practices that that were not compatible with their new life in Christ. The society to which they once belonged therefore regarded them as dangerous aliens. And quite frankly, that's what's happening today in our world. Many countries actually have laws prohibiting any kind of evangelism or converting to another religion, sometimes under the penalty of death. That's how afraid they are of the Christian faith. This is going on all over the world. What are they afraid of? They're afraid that people who get to know Jesus 
aren't going to live the same old way that they did before. And threat threatens the power of those who are in control. So these ancient believers faced a lifestyle crisis. They had been changed by Jesus from the inside out. The way they formerly lived was no longer available. What kind of life should they have? Well, the first thing Peter does for these pilgrims is to remind them of where they came from. He says in verse 18, you've been ransomed from your feudal ways inherited from your ancestors. Notice that Peter says they were ransomed. That means a a price was paid to free them from the feudal ways of their society. The ransom was not paid in money, but with the precious blood of Christ. That goes for us too. We were ransomed. We are accustomed to saying that Christ delivered us from our sins, but that's not what Peter says here. He says Christ ransomed us from a worthless lifestyle. The way most people live is empty. It's Frivolous, it's a slide, a treadmill, a roller coaster, an escalator. And they don't even know it. Whatever kind of life ride they're on, it's not taking them to the right destination. They're not moving toward God. It is Christ who brings direction and purpose to our journey. The old life, it wasn't going anywhere. The new life that they now have in Christ will enable them to live in the power and the presence of God. What Peter says in the first century Folks, it still applies in the 21st. Instead of those dead-end lifestyles, Jesus offers to take us on an exhilarating journey, a pilgrimage. And it is a journey where we travel between two guideposts, two guideposts for followers of Jesus, the perishable and the imperishable. Perishable because we recognize that this world is fading away. Imperishable because we recognize that we have an eternal soul that will live forever with Christ. Perishable in this world, yet imperishable at the same time. And Christian pilgrims need both those signposts to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. Let's think about perishable for a minute. Peter quotes from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass wither and the flowers fall. We could add Psalm 39, verse 4. Show me, O Lord, my life's end than the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made uh, made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each one's life is but a breath. Or 1 Corinthians 7, 32. For this world and its present form is passing away. Perishable. One of the hardest realities for people to face is their own mortality. A friend of mine and her son were in a terrible car accident. They they were entering onto a busy highway. It had been raining, and their car just simply hydroplaned across the road, and there was nothing that they could do to stop it. They hit the guardrail, flipped over, and then they rolled back across the other side of the road and hit a tractor trailer that had been parked right there on the side of the road. Thankfully, neither of them were seriously injured. They were able to walk away from the accident. But wow, you come that close A mere breath, another inch of uh, crushed metal. Have you ever been in an accident like that or had a family member like that? Faced a life-threatening illness or been in a real-life danger situation? It makes you take stock of your life. Life is so fragile. It forces you for a moment to reevaluate what is really important and what is not. Don't rush past this. Because we have to look at it. Our culture does everything it can to disguise our perishability. 
No, buy our face cream and you could be 10 years younger. You'll live forever with our new organic diet. You can stop the aging process with our natural supplements. It's all a lie, but we don't really want to look at it. You know, I see this in our culture's funeral rituals. When our cemetery got its start back in the 1700s, people were just put in pine boxes and lowered into the ground. Their bodies decayed naturally. The pine boxes decayed. That's why in so many of our cemetery plots from the 1700s and early 1800s, there's nothing there, not even a button. It's all decayed back into the earth. But now people use chemicals to petrify the body, encase the body in a metal-lined box, put the box in a concrete vault, all to perpetuate this, this false idea that somehow we're preserving life. Our body should disintegrate. All people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But that's not the whole story. We're also imperishable. We have an eternity at work in us at the same time. Believers understand that there is more to life than just these few years that we live on this planet. You're created with an eternal soul. You have been ransomed by the blood of Jesus. Your identity is in eternity and your homeland is in heaven. We live in a decaying world, but we are pilgrims through a time of chaos and hardship. We experience the pain of sin, the brokenness, the death, just like everyone else, but that isn't the whole story. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Though outwardly we are wasting away, that's the perishable, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, that's the imperishable. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Pilgrims understand this world is not our only home. It's our temporary home for now, but we have another home, an eternal home that we haven't seen yet. But it is ours thanks to Jesus. And so we have to think clearly about not getting too attached to what is around us because it is temporary. The things we see now are here today and they will be gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Pilgrims who learn the secret of being able to live in this tension between the perishable and the imperishable, they learn to be freer in this life, free to be real. In other words, because we know the earth is not our ultimate home, we can embrace the contradictions of this world. We can experience difficulty, sorrow, rejection. Some of God's promises will even seem unfulfilled. Some prayers will seem unanswered. Some circumstances will seem unfair. But this is not the end of the story. So that we don't get too attached to the earth, God allows us to feel a, a certain amount of discomfort and dissatisfaction in the life longings that will never be fulfilled this side of eternity. We're not completely happy here because we're not supposed to be. Christians should always feel a little out of step with the world around us because this earth is not our final home. We've been created for something much better. We're created to serve God's greater purposes while we're here. And so we have to think about life as, as kind of a temporary assignment from God, as a prelude to what God has in store for us in the future. It will lead us to altering our values while we're here. We won't live by the same standards as people who don't understand the perishable and the imperishable. Eternal values rise to the top because, and become the deciding factors in our decision making. As C.S. Lewis once said, 
All that is not eternal is eternally useless. Being a pilgrim means we know that this life is only temporary. There is no permanent lodging on this side of heaven, yet it is our temptation, even for us, to set our hearts only on what we can see. Earthly values, material things, the approval of others, those things seem so, so important, so valuable. And so it's a lifelong struggle to learn what the Apostle Peter is teaching. Everything visible is perishable, and only that which we cannot see has lasting value. We need to remember that, that we are not home yet. Someday we will trade these temporary bodies in for an eternal physical reality of heaven. Part of the resurrection promise is that we're going to have bodies just like Jesus' resurrected body when, he, when we join him in heaven. Read 1 Corinthians 14 on that in just a few weeks. Someday, but until then, Peter says we need to hold on to the only valuable treasure we have, the word of God. Verse 23, for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flower of the field. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Only the eternal blood of Christ could set us free from sin and open us to heaven. And only God's word can communicate God's nature and will to us in the here and now. The Bible becomes our fixed point in an ever-changing world. We need that fixed point to make our way through the chaos of life and culture. Our, our morphing culture is so quick to tell us that this is hot. No, no, now this is hot. But next week it'll change to something else. Our morphing culture is quick to say that, there, that this isn't wrong or this isn't wrong. If we attempt to find a fixed point in our cultural landscape, it'll move before you even know what it is. If you try to get your identity from our culture, you're chasing after the wind. Everything shifts. Culture is constantly in flux, faster than ever. You will end up on a slide, a treadmill, a roller coaster, or an escalator. People reminds, uh, Peter reminds us that the one fixed point, the stable place, the rock and shelter, is the Word of God. While things may shift around us, while cultures may suggest new norms of morality and ethics, our lives are not centered on the changes in the culture, but rather on the character of our God that we know through the Word of God. And while we express much of our faith in and through the culture we are in, if we're not centered on the Word of God, we will, we'll ha we will have a consistently kind of changing world. Living in between actually makes us more effective for Christ. I like what C.S. Lewis once said, I believe if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the world were precisely those Christians who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other that they have become so ineffective in this one. Being able to live as a pilgrim in the tension between the perishable and the imperishable Friends, that won't be easy in 2018. But it will be helpful to remember that Christians are pilgrims because God has called us to be different. He calls us to live for him and to cling solely to his arms of grace and forgiveness. We live with ultimate respect for, for, to honor God and his ways. And if you live that way, friends, that will make you a little out of step with what's happening in New Providence Summit, Berkeley Heights, Chatham, or wherever you may live. If you're a pilgrim, Living in between the perishable and the imperishable is our pilgrimage for Jesus. We're ransomed by his blood. 
We hold on to his eternal word as our compass to guide us and navigate our way. And so it's going to be exciting to see how your pilgrimage unfolds in 2018. And we join with others and recognize we're not alone. We are all on the same journey. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the challenges ahead in 2018. Help us to really understand that we are pilgrims on a journey towards you. We go through this world, and in many ways it's a beautiful, wonderful world, Lord, but this is not our home. Our home is with you. So help us to live for you the best we can while we are in this world, recognizing how fragile it really is and understanding our true home comes from you. Help us to stay centered and grounded on the word of God. Let it seep into our souls and enrich our lives. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.